You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everyone and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show. Good morning, everybody, and good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. All good through the glass there? All yes. good at your end? All is well. Excellent, excellent. Today's show is being taped, so unfortunately no opportunity for call-in. But uh, please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC, and our email is thh at radiomaria.ca. I didn't mean to cut Alex off there, but he's a little bit busy, so we're just going to go directly into our show, and we'll hear his lovely voice next week, I hope. Um, Do please subscribe to our podcast. We are the Health Hub, and we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website. We are uh, www.radiomaria.ca and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. So before we get into uh, our show today, I wanted to talk to you about a new habit that I'm getting back into, and it is juicing. I, uh, I have fallen back in love with my juicer. I did shelve it for a little bit because I was lazy, really. That was the long and the short of it. I, uh, I still continue to, to purchase fresh-pressed or cold-pressed juices, but I got out of the habit of making them myself, because I, um, I just, I just got lazy. Really, the long and short of it is, I got lazy. So when uh, 2020 rolled around and the new decade, I, I decided to make a commitment not to be so um, lazy. I go keep going back to that word. So I'm decided that I'm going to get back into juicing my own juices, and really. Um, the the issue is is not that the juices you buy are not of good quality. They certainly are, and I certainly love where I get my juices from. It's just that it's really a lot more cost efficient for me, and I get to drink these juices as soon as I make them. And um, when you drink your juices right after you make them, they maintain a lot more of the nutrients. Uh, as soon as the juice becomes exposed to air, uh, the nutrient uh, content goes down a little bit. So there is, you know, the, the drawback is, is the purchasing and, and, you know, the shopping and the washing and the cutting and then the cleaning of the machine. But um, the benefits far do outweigh. And so what I'm really making an effort to do is build this back into my my practice. I try and, and juice daily now. It's very early on into this new habit. So um, for sure, we'll, you know, we'll check back in and see if I've kept on the trend. But um, I do try and juice every day, but it is part of my diet. It is not a replacement for anything in my diet. So if I, if I don't juice every day, 
it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I like to do, but I don't stress out if I don't get to my juicer every single day. So the reasons that I juice, I thought that I would list these for you. Um, because I do, I do feel that juicing is a very valuable part of, of a health program if you can squeeze it in there. And if you can't make your own, then, then purchasing them. But juices, um, the fruits and vegetables that go into juices are really high in vitamins and minerals. And drinking juices can introduce these extra nutrients into your body. And they, I just feel healthier when I juice. I feel that um, my skin is better. Uh, I, I feel I have a boost of energy. So I, I, I think that um, for me, anyways, it's it's something that I, I really do enjoy doing. Juices are really rich in anti-inflammatory compounds that uh, can help boost your immune system and very full of antioxidants that uh, will, will scavenge the uh, free radicals in your body and again, adding to health. So um, another very valuable, valuable uh, reason to juice. And juices are really easily absorbed by your system. So when we have food with fiber, which is something juices do not have, you know, we have to break down the food. We're calling our digestive system into play, which it's supposed to do. Absolutely. But uh, offering up these these highly absorbable uh, nutrients that pass really easily into your bloodstream, give your digestive system uh, a bit of a break. And um, again, allowing these nutrients really to, to pass really quickly into your system. Researchers have also found that people who do juice cleanses uh, increase some of the health-promoting good bacteria in uh, in your body. So the reason for this is because you're getting phytonutrients, and the phytonutrients are a very important part of uh, the the nutrients that your microbiome needs for your body. So so very good things that uh, having juices will do for your body. Um, and I wanted to go over a few tips. So drink juices on an empty stomach. Um, this allows, again, and playing into this idea that the vitamins and minerals can pass easily into your system. So this allows these um, nutrients to go basically uh, unencumbered into your system. If you juice, if you drink juices on a full stomach, it can lead to a bit of uh, digestive distress. So that's tip number one. And as I alluded to before, try and drink your juices as soon as possible after making them. Uh, once again, as the juice is exposed to the air, uh, the nutritional value goes down the longer it's exposed. And chew your juice. You did hear that properly. I want you to start chewing your juice just for a couple of, of seconds, swishing it around your mouth. The reason behind this is to activate your saliva. The saliva have very important digestive enzymes in uh, in it, uh, which really help to absorb the nutrients uh, better. I also recommend to people who are starting off on a, a juicing journey to keep a, a journal for yourself. There will be juices that you've made that you like, and there definitely will be juices that you make that you don't like. Uh, and and it's, it's a good idea. There's some nutrients and some juices that just may have a, a taste that's too strong that you don't like. Um, sadly for me, um, one of the tastes that I don't like is celery. So I keep my celery down uh, to a minimum. Unfortunately, that's something that's a, it's a vegetable that really is great for juicing. But for some reason, uh, it just the taste doesn't sit well with me. So I, I keep the celery down to a minimum and really uh, lean in on the vegetables when you're juicing. So as I mentioned, the fiber is being removed as you juice. 
Fruits have more uh, natural sugars than vegetables, so the issue is spiking of the blood sugar if you've got too much fruit in your juices. So lean hard on those vegetables um, and rotate. Rotate your vegetables. Don't always keep it to the same greens. Don't always keep it to the same fruits. Rotate, just as I mentioned, to rotate uh, your food. Uh, Supply your body with different nutrients. Hit it from different angles. So those are a few tips and just a quick little recipe that I've jotted down here for you to to try. Um, A handful. Kathy, sorry, I do have a quick question. I have been listening, but um, in in relation to juicing and preparation, is it uh, a good idea to perhaps uh, prepare in bulk? Yeah, the issue it is, it can be. And in terms of the amount of washing that's required. Washing definitely. Yeah. Purchase so in I, bulk, wash in bulk, have things ready for you. Um the if if you keep your juices too long, they yeah, definitely that's a, that's go down. But you know what? It's 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 what you can fit in. I mean, if you can if you need to juice on a Sunday night mm-hmm. for, for juices for the next three or four days, do it. Just because the nutrient value goes down doesn't mean it, it doesn't hold nutrients for you. Right. I'm talking in an ideal world. Right. So in an ideal world, you get home, you juice, you drink. But don't be distraught and don't give up the process if you need to make juices for a few days. So if you were to, Absolutely. If you were to um, do this on an empty stomach like you're recommending, you would do it, I would think, in the morning, right? You could Prior do it in the morning or- before dinner. Okay. Before dinner as well. Um, yeah, any any time on an empty stomach. I wouldn't do it right before bed because you are getting a lot of uh, vitamins and minerals and it, and it might give you, like, it gives me energy. So I wouldn't right. do it just before bed because you don't want to have, you don't want to be perked up before you go to bed. But That makes sense. Yeah, I, always in degrees, you know. It, like I said, just because the nutrient value goes down, it still holds good value for you if you've got a delay in, in your consuming of it. So... Because a lot of people are turned off by juicing, as I was, because you wash, you clean, and you need a lot of vegetables, right? It it takes a lot of vegetables to make a cup of juice. So you wash, you clean, you cut, then you got to take the the machine apart, wash, and and put back together. But once you get into a rhythm like anything else, you make space for that habit. So, um, yes, very good question, though. So just I'll leave you with uh, a quick little recipe. Handful of parsley, one Granny Smith apple, five large kale leaves, a cucumber, five stalks of celery, and a piece of garlic. You can also add in lemon there. Lemon and garlic do a great job in cutting the harshness of the greens. So um, just another little tip to throw in there. So hopefully you'll give this a shot. Um, We could have another segment on what I like uh, as far as the best juicers, but... uh, on you go with this, and uh, as I said, juicing is a, really a, a valuable part of, of a good diet. So on to our show today. We are going to talk about committing to a life less stressed in the new decade with Dr. Ron Ehrlich. Dr. Ron is one of Australia's leading holistic advocates. With over 35 years of clinical practice, he has developed a holistic approach to health and wellness, as well as a comprehensive model of how stress impacts our lives. Empowering individuals and organizations is his passion. His 2018 book, A Life Less Stress, The Five Pillars of Health and Wellness, has been published in Australia, the UK, US, and Turkey. Dr. Ron expands upon his themes of of his book each week with world leaders in his weekly podcast, Unstressed, with Dr. Ron Ehrlich. 
Dr. Ron has been in clinical practice since 1980 and still continues to see patients in his group practice, the Sydney Holistic Dental Centre in Sydney, Australia. He is currently president of the Australian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine and chairperson of their advocacy committee. In 2019, he was awarded a fellowship in lifestyle medicine. Dr. Ron is also co-founder and board member of Nourishing Australia, a not-for-profit organization dedicated to informing, educating, and inspiring people about the critical importance of healthy soils, nutrient-dense foods, and regenerative agriculture. Dr. Ron's passion is to convert confusion to clarity and information to knowledge, to empowering individuals to fulfill their potential, take control of their health, and build resilience and be the best that they can be. Very admirable. Very, very admirable. We will be talking about a number of things, but uh, to highlight our learning points, we're going to talk about what stress actually is, what are Dr. Ron's five kinds of stress that he emphasizes most in dealing with, and how we can deal with stress as a whole. We'll be back to talk with Dr. Ron after this.
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Today's show is taped for so uh, no opportunity for calling in, unfortunately. But please do follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are at the Health Hub RMC on all of those sites. And do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca if you have any questions about the show you're listening to, would like contact information, or any other uh, questions or concerns that you have for us. Dr. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you. Excellent. And Dr. Ron is from Australia. We have to let you know that it's been it's been something for me to try and get my head around these time changes. So uh, what time is it there actually in Australia? Uh, it's uh, just a quarter past six, 20 past six in the morning, which is fine. I'm usually up at 5.30 in the morning. So this is not too bad for me. It works quite well. Oh, excellent. And uh, we met, Dr. Ron and I met on a podcast that I did for him. We had a great conversation and uh, I knew that he would be a great guest for you to listen to. So today's show, um, Dr. Ron, that we talked about and the title of the show is something that is, you know, it, it's for the decade, but it's it's really, uh, you know, for the years and years to come is, the, is dealing with stress. And we're talking about today committing to a life that is less stressed and interesting topics have flown around on the internet about uh, trends in healthcare. Stress and dealing with it has to be, it's not only a constant theme, but it has to be a, a trend that we're going to be hearing more and more about. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, well, everybody that I mentioned that to, uh, that a, a book called The Life Less Stressed, um, everyone says, uh, well, uh, they can relate to it. They, they understand that stress is playing a role in their lives and most people would acknowledge that it's not a positive role. Mm-hmm. And so I think if, it's a, if it is a problem, if it is a challenge to our health, then it helps to know what that, how to approach it, have some kind of structure to approach it. So the first thing is to understand that I, what I define as a stress in our modern world is anything that compromises our immune system and promotes chronic inflammation because chronic inflammation, as, as you know, Kathy, and your listeners may know, is the common denominator that runs through all chronic diseases. And so any, any aspect of our world that contributes to that um, is, in my opinion, a stress. And so for the last 35 years in my own clinical practice, I've been using a model of stress which uh, looks at it from five different stressors. And the idea, of course, is that if stress is compromising your immune system and, and promoting chronic inflammation, then it helps to identify as many of those stressors as possible and minimize them. So the five stressor model that I've been working with talks about stress as a combination of emotional, environmental, nutritional, postural, and dental stress. It's often the last one that surprises people, but I can, we can talk about why, why that's an important factor. But those, those are a good structure by which to ask, I believe, all the right questions in our modern world. Absolutely. And I, we, we are definitely going to go through the five stressors, but I think it would be interesting to, to go back. Your background is in, is in dentistry. And how, right. how did you come upon, like dentistry wouldn't be the first uh, sort of health practitioner that I would say would make that leap to understanding or even wanting to study stress within your within your practice. How did you meld these two very 
somewhat different areas of health? Well, I've been in clinical practice for 40 years now, and in my first six months of practice, I found myself rather surprisingly um, treating a patient with a chronic tension headache. And I didn't set out to do that, but that's actually what ended up happening. They came in to see me as a new patient, and I had a, and, and they'd been complaining about a crown that had been uncomfortable for five years. And, uh, and I looked at it, and I decided that it was probably a little bit out of balance in the bite, so I, I adjusted it. And when they came back a week later, they not only told me that the crown had settled, but the headaches that they had had for the last five years since the crown had gone in had, had also gone. And that surprised me. And over the few months and year or so after that, I, I noticed that with some other patients. So I, I realized that uh, rather surprisingly, uh, the world of dentistry also has a role to play in chronic musculoskeletal pain, like chronic tension, headaches, neck aches, and jaw pain because of people's clenching and or grinding habits. It's called bruxism. And so that led me into a field that I wasn't expecting uh, within dentistry. I certainly hadn't studied it at university. And when you start treating people with chronic musculoskeletal pain, you realize it's a very frustrating uh, condition for many people. They, they experience pain. They go and see their doctors. They have, their, they have x-rays taken, CAT scans, or now more recently MRIs, and they're told nothing is wrong with them. And yet here they are in chronic pain. And, and so it began a journey uh, for me, which still continues to this day, about two or three years after I, um, after I, I, uh, I, I became interested in this. I was doing courses all over the world, and I, and I came upon a course which presented me with that five-stress model. And, and I just thought that was, that was brilliant because it was a structure by which I could, I could approach my patient from many different areas and, and I wasn't going to approach them from an emotional, environmental, postural or nutritional, but I was going to be working with people who could. And in the process, I, I learned a great deal about nutrition. I did my first nutrition course in 1981 and I've been studying nutrition ever since. I've got a fellowship in nutritional and environmental medicine. I've also got a fellowship in lifestyle medicine. I'm actually president of the Australasian College of Nutritional and Environmental Medicine. So, um, you know, I've also explored, I've done quite a bit of research in the postural stress area. Environmental stress, of course, wasn't a big um, topic to study uh, in, the 19, in the early 1980s, but it's a huge topic as we all know now. And emotional stress is something we're all very familiar with. And, uh, is a journey we're all on. Uh, so so that, that was basically through, through rather surprisingly finding myself in an area of, of treating patients with chronic musculoskeletal pain was really how it began. And, and that's a great model for treating patients in pain, but it's also a great model for looking at people's health. A hundred percent. You're a pioneer in this field of integrative health. Yeah, you must have really had people looking at you, colleagues looking at you sideways when you were treating your dental uh, patients, thinking about the stressors that they were going into as opposed to just the symptomology. I think it's brilliant. I think it's, it's, it's an excellent uh, launch pad for people to, to develop their own practices with. I, I congratulate you on that. Um, let, so let's, sorry, go ahead. It's also a great uh, launchpad for studying yes. human beings because 
So, you know, I've often referred to myself as a holistic dentist and people ask, what is that? And, and basically it's just a dentist who realizes there's a whole person attached to these teeth. And I still do dental work. I mean, I'm still a dentist. I'm not doing any hands-on, you know, like laying on my hands or I do a lot of, I, I, I have a lot of nutritional information in my practice. I work with some brilliant integrative practitioners, naturopaths, nutritionists. I, I work with a great team, but but it's just the philosophy that that has stood stood the test of time. I think. Well, when I you know when I think of a holistic dentist, um, yeah, and and what sort of is is the the byline for holistic holistic dentist is treating people with um, you know less chemicals. That idea, you know, taking mercury fillings out and doing them properly. The the notion of looking at one of your patients and seeing that their jaw is not aligned because perhaps they're clenching it, perhaps due to stress, is innovative, I think. Very innovative. But it does all start with the head, doesn't it? Stress always starts, or health starts from the top down. As it does. I mean, the mouth, uh, well, our head... <laughs> Balancing our head on our spine has been a challenge for the last few million years. So posturally, there's an issue there. Um, of course, uh, thoughts are things. Uh, and when we are in, under stress, and look, not all stress is bad. I mean, stress has served us very well through our, our human journey because the stress of knowing you're in danger, of, of knowing that you either have to fight, fight or flight, um, is, has been something that has served us very well. So stress is not a bad thing in short doses. No, stress isn't a bad thing in short doses. And actually, we had um, a documentarian on not too long ago talking about fear. And, and they do sort of cross over, and fear in and of itself is, is um, a safety mechanism. Uh, again, fight or flight. So you're, you're right that stress isn't a bad thing in small doses. But when does it become a health issue? Well, as I said, I think anything, when, when our stress causes us to, our immune system to be compromised and when um, it promotes chronic inflammation, that's when it becomes a problem. And, and like to, when we look at each of those five stressors, each of them have the potential to do just that. You just need to know what those triggers are, what those factors are, identify them and try to minimize them. And, and that is generally... I think, a good way to approach stress in our modern world. The other side of the balance, of course, is to build resilience because our life is a balancing beam and on one side we have the stresses that can uh, impact on our health in a negative way and arguably there's never been a more important time to build resilience into our, into our health and that's focusing on the, on the pillars of health that, that can uh, build us back up again. Well, for sure, and, you know... <laughs> We can't eliminate stress. I mean, that's just not a reality in our world. No. And in fact, stress is, is mounting more and more. And the area of environmental health that you touched on as well, uh, it, that's a trend for sure as, as the decade um, impinges upon us. And environmental issues, uh, well, you're going through an environmental issue right now with, with the fires that are going on. Um, even, at, even at the time when the show will be aired, uh, there will still be environmental impinging upon health. So people need to recognize that stress is going to be there. But where the, the confusion is, and after the, the break, we're going to talk about your five pillars of health. But 
can you give um, our listeners some symptomology that they would recognize as stress now playing too much a part in negative health? Well, I think our bodies are a good uh, indicator of where we're at. And, uh, and our body sends us report cards each and every day. So, I mean, how are we feeling? How is our mental health? Uh, are, we, are we tired? Are we chronically tired? Are we, uh, are we, um, uh, our digestive system is also a great uh, indicator. <clears throat> are our, uh, you know, I, I do in my practice often focus on a person's digestive system and they're surprised to hear that. But of course, the digestive system is the home of the of 80% of our immune system. So are people's bowel movements regular? Are, is their diarrhea, is their constipation? Um, you know, these are important. These are report cards that get sent to us each and every day. Our skin's a good indicator. Do we have dry, scaly skin? Um, you know, are there, are there rashes? Are there irregularities in the skin, in our hair? Um, our, our gums, do our gums bleed when we brush or floss our teeth? Do we have aches or pains throughout our body? Uh, so there are a whole lot of, you know, our body sends us report cards each and every day. The question is, are we listening to them or, we just, or do we just accept it as this is our normal? And, I, and one of the things I, I often encourage patients to do is to, to explore this and actually to try to benchmark themselves when they're embarking on a health journey to see how well they can feel. A lot of people haven't, haven't got a benchmark by which to measure themselves. They just accept where they're at as their normal. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Well, and, and that's a key point that just because it's normal doesn't mean that it's of good health. So I think, you know, in our busy lives, we, we don't take the time to read our bodies. Things that may be normal, things that may be happening often, we, we, we internalize as, okay, well, this is normal, may not be the right way to look at things. So I think what you said is, is great. Developing the intuition to understand our own bodies, reading the story that it's telling us is a key, key piece for us to be able to take that next step into good health. We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to go over um, Dr. Ron's five stressors. He'll explain them to us more and um, hopefully give us some steps to try and, and bring back balance. We'll be right back. I can see what is raging at my feet I can feel The breath of those surrounding me I can hear The sound of nations rising up We will not be overtaken We will not be overcome I can walk Down this dark and painful road I can face Every fear of children singing out we will not be overtaken we will not be overcome the same power that rose Jesus from the grave the same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us lives in us 
and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation here with Dr. Ron Ehrlich. We're talking about committing to a life that's less stressed in the new decade. And these are going to start with us recognizing what uh, Dr. Ron calls his five types of stress. Um, again, I don't know if these are, are just pieces that you fit together as what you feel are the five types of stresses, but you can explain that to us as we go through them one by one. So, Dr. Ron, let's let's start with uh, with you giving us the list of them, and then we'll we'll tick them off as we go. Okay. Well, as I was saying, five stresses: emotional, environmental, nutritional, postural, and dental stress. And that is my five stressor model is that I've been working with for all these years. So let's start with them all then. How, how do you equate environmental stressors with health? Oh, well, that, that is actually a huge topic and a growing topic, sadly. But uh, 
Well, let's look at chemicals, for example. Now, when we, let, let me back up a little bit. I think when people think about uh, environmental stress, they think usually of air quality and water quality. And air quality is a significant factor in our, in our world. And, and sadly, in Australia, we're learning that very um, acutely because we've had a summer of we're a summer of fires, literally mm-hmm. a summer of fires. And, and I have lived in Australia all my life, over 60 years now, and we've always had bushfires. That's been part of our, our landscape. It's been going on since the indigenous population arrived here 70 or 80,000 years ago. So fire has always been here. There's no question about that. But the extent of these fires is unprecedented. It literally goes from one end of the country to the other, from north to south, and now from east to west. I mean, the whole country, the middle of the country is mainly desert, so that is not burning. But down the coast, along the coast where the forests are, where it's been, and the drought has been going on in Australia for about seven or eight years now, and um, and so it is a tinderbox which has just gone up, and if people in the city feel they're removed from it, that we've learnt that lesson because the air quality has recently been rated the worst in the world. Now, in good, and that's a sad. When you think about where some air quality is, that's a sad comment. Um, but but even in the good times, and the good times were before this bushfires occurred, air quality caused more deaths and car accidents. So that, I think, is something we share in the Western world um, where, where air quality is a major threat to people's health. And, and it has somewhat improved over the years as, as environmental regulations have occurred compared to the 50s or 60s in England where a black smog was a common thing. Um, things have improved. And water quality in the rivers and lakes have to some degree improved in some areas and, of course, with the in, inclusion of plastics into our waters, into our oceans and lakes, that's a major issue. I used to be concerned about heavy metals in, in larger fish, but now, of course, as plastics break down, they are degradable. They are not biodegradable, they are degradable. And there's a big difference between those two. And the degradable plastics break down to, into ever smaller particles which end up in all levels of seafood. So that's a problem too. But then when we look, we think the external environment is one thing. It turns out that our internal environment is also a significant factor. If you wake up in the morning and you go to your bathroom and you put it on shampoo and you look at the contents of the shampoo bottle, the conditioner bottle, the soap, the shaving cream, the aftershave, the underarm deodorant, you name it, the products that everybody's familiar with, before you even started the day, you may have been exposed to 50, 60, 100 different chemicals. And that's just the beginning of your day. Mm-hmm. And so we make, this, we make this assumption that because a chemical is on the shelf in the supermarket or in a shop that it has been tested. And unfortunately, when we, what we learn is, is very different from that. There are over 140,000 different chemicals in our modern world, thousands of chemicals added every single day. And um, unfortunately, only a very small percentage of those have been tested. And when we think about how they're tested, they're tested one at a time for a short period of time, usually on healthy subjects, which are uh, usually university students at the age of 20 or 30 who are doing a test. So, um, you know, that's not how we're exposed to chemicals. 
we're exposed to chemicals in combination. And it's that combination that makes a difference. For example, if lead has a toxic value of one and mercury has a toxic value of one, when you add one and one together in chemical load, it doesn't equal two. It can have an exponential effect. So, so chemicals are an issue. Our houses are an issue. We're sealing our houses off to be more um, environmentally friendly, but in the process, we're also creating moisture traps and household mycotoxins in the form of molds and, and dust mites, which can severely impact on our health. So you could be on the very best diet in the world. You could be exercising. You could be meditating. You could be doing everything absolutely right. But if you go home and your house has mold in it, that could be a significant problem too. And then we haven't even touched on this electronic experiment mm -hmm. that we've been exposing ourselves to, this electromagnetic soup that we surround ourselves with. You know, Einstein said that every atom in the universe is both mass and energy. And that means every atom in our body is too. And to assume these radiation, um, ex uh, the, these phones that, that emit Wi-Fi radiation uh, are not affecting our health is naive in the, at the best of times and it's negligent in the worst because the World Health Authority in 2011 classified Wi-Fi radiation as a class 2B carcinogen. So, you know, that means it, it, it has the possibility to cause cancer. A class 2A is probable cause of cancer and a class 1 is a cause of cancer. So, so, you know, when we start looking at environmental stresses, it can seem terribly overwhelming, quite depressing and very disempowering. But the good news is that if you, make inform, if you are aware of these things and you make informed choices, and choices are our greatest tool in our lives, um, if we make informed choices, we can reduce our chemical load by 80 or 90% and we can reduce our Wi-Fi load by similarly. So, you know, all, the news is not all bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power and when you make informed decisions, you can make a significant difference to your environmental stress. I agree. And I think tackling the environmental piece right off the top is, is a very good idea because it is becoming more and more of an issue. And I think it's transversing over into the actual medical field where they too are recognizing this isn't just an integrative issue. This is a medical issue. And then bordering that onto another stressor that, uh, that you believe is uh, impinging upon our health, nutritional stressors to cross those two over. We have stresses of, of not eating well. We all know that. Um, and not absorbing properly. But within the environmental and the nutrition and where those two meet are the uh, degradation of our soils, the lack of nutrients yep. in our foods. And I think both of you and I, both you and I share this passion. But, you know, briefly touch upon that so we, we have time for the, uh, the other three. Yeah. Well, agriculture is something we should all be engaged with. It's important to every single one of us. If we think a nutrient-dense diet is important, which I think we can agree it is, um, then growing, where, how do you do that? What does that actually mean? And what it means is you are growing it in healthy soils. And healthy soils are probably our most important uh, resource apart from water. Water 
air and healthy soils are our greatest resource and we are degrading our soils at an alarming rate. I mean, I think I heard, uh, you know, seven tonnes of soil per person are lost per year or some horrible figure, whatever it is, soil degradation, desertification, the clearing of land and then ploughing it up and planting crops and doing that year after year with fertilisers using fungicides, herbicides, insecticides, pesticides and fertilisers is, is a, a great model for growing food quickly and cheaply, but it's not a great, it's not a very sustainable model. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, our soils are being lost because of it. So the world of regenerative agriculture is a world we should all be engaged with and embracing with open arms and great enthusiasm because sustainable agriculture, I don't think, is enough anymore. I don't think the word, word sustainable is is where we're at. I don't think we want to sustain where we're currently at. I think we want to regenerate and rebuild the soils because I want there to be enough soils for my children and my grandchildren and their grandchildren. So, you know, the legacy we leave is the soil we leave for our future generations to grow nutrient-dense foods in. And we've had a very adversarial approach to microbes in this world. We're coming to realise that in our bodies and we, we should also come to realise that in our soils because a healthy teaspoon of soil, a healthy soil that is, contains about a billion microbes. And a healthy cubic metre of soil contains fungi, these very fine fibres, mycorrhizal fungi they're called. There are something like 40 kilometres of hyphae that are in a healthy soil. So, so, you know, we have been killing our soils and thinking by adding just three chemicals or a, a group, a handful of chemicals in fertilisers, we can produce food that is, that is good. Well, it looks good. It mm-hmm. looks good. Um, but, it, but it isn't necessarily nutrient-dense. And nutrient-dense means we need, we need, the human body needs 60 elements, like there are 118 elements in the periodic table. Remember that from chemistry? <laughs> um, you know, we, the human body needs 60 of them. Now, we know what 25 or 30 of those elements are, uh, or what they do, rather. We know what all 60 of them are, but we don't know what they all necessarily do. But, but uh, in order to deliver those elements to our food, we need the help of microbes in the soil to break down the nutrient dense to make them available to the plants that we eat or that the animals that we eat eat. Mm-hmm. And, and that is why regenerative agriculture is an important issue that crosses environmental issues, it crosses nutritional stress issues, and if the gut is the home, uh, you know, the whole idea of mood and food, then you can argue uh, in emotional stress is affected by it, dental stress is affected by it, you know, agriculture, regenerative agriculture is central to all of our lives. I, I totally agree. And I, I, you know, I do see hope for this. Uh, I think that uh, regenerative is a new word that uh, you've used, new to me, but sustainability and crossing over, we, we are not isolated. Humans are not isolated. We are a part of a bigger picture. And I think we are becoming more and more aware of that. So I I do have hope that that will uh, be a stressor, that that will be an issue that is taken to heart, and that will be remedied to some degree within the decade. I really do believe that in my heart. So we've covered a few of them. Postural. We've done dental briefly, emotional, 
nutritional, environmental. Let's hit on postural and, and give that the time that you need. Postural stress is an interesting one. As I said, our big challenge came a few million years ago when we got up on two feet. And, um, you know, balancing this 10-pound, four-and-a-half-kilo ball on our, head, on our spine is a challenge. And it turns out that when you tilt that head down slightly, you suddenly, even by five degrees or 10 degrees, you just have to look around any public space to see people doing that all the time as they look at their devices. You change that 10-pound ball into a 25, 30, or 40-pound ball, and, and suddenly we have stresses there uh, that impact not just on our musculature, but on our airway as well. Um, mouth breathing is, is a postural stress because it promotes head forward posture. Um, uh, our, our, the way we sit, obviously, we spend so much time sitting with our head forward looking at our, our, our devices. Even the way we sleep is a postural stress. Um, you know, do you sleep on your stomach, your side or your back? Well, stomach sleeping is the worst position for sleeping because it affects, it twists up the muscles in the head, neck and, low, and jaw. It also twists up the airway. It also twists up the spine. So stomach sleeping is not good. Sleeping on your back may be okay when you're younger, but as you get older, of course, um, then the, the, the lower jaw has a tendency to drop back and the tongue's attached to the lower jaw. And so people snore and sometimes their airway is actually blocked and that affects the quality of their sleep. So sleeping on your side is a better postural position to sleep in. Um, walking, uh, our, you know, chronic pain, chronic musculoskeletal pain, which is how I got into this area, is also an interesting one. Looking at foot structure and leg length difference is a major postural stress that's often overlooked. Do you pronate? Do you supinate? Uh, are your ankles, are your feet stable? It's often in lower back pain, never considered, and it should be. And even sitting on the toilet is a postural stress. You know, Kathy, for millions of years, we've squatted, uh, and squatting has served us very well, and our, and our anatomy is adapted accordingly. Uh, but when we sit on the toilet, it, it affects that anatomy, and it makes it more difficult to... Um, have a bowel movement and uh, you know I said to you that our body sends us report cards each and every day and that one of the most important report cards is in the toilet bowl but it also is affecting uh, postural stress there is sitting on the toilet and there are little stools that you can use yeah. that allow you to squat around the toilet I mean I love toilets I'm not saying don't use toilets um, there are major breakthrough in our world and I and I and I'm very appreciative of it but by doing this you can actually there's actually a really interesting studies which show that using a squatting stool around a toilet improves the quality of the bowel movement. And that's an important part of our daily routine. It is. So it's funny. Just to interject there, um, my daughter, we got, we, we have them at our house. They're called squatty potties that, that we have. And yes, my daughter sure. says <laughs> when she goes to anybody else's house, she's just, she said the squatty potty has ruined her to visit other people's homes because it, it was just a funny comment that she made. She thinks the thing is just uh, is, is just vital for her uh, on the toilet. So yeah, I agree with absolutely, you. Absolutely, absolutely. I agree well, with you. This is another example of people's normal. You yeah, know, this ex- is what people <laughs> consider to be normal, but they need to reassess that. Yeah, and it's it just takes some time to listen, to understand, to listen to people like you. So I, I think we've covered them all: environmental, postural, nutritional, dental, and emotional, and we've done all that 
underneath the time, right, Alex? We're still good. I want to give you a, a few minutes here. Do you have any projects that you're working on? Anything you'd like to share with us um, as, as we move forward? Well, I'm always working on projects, Kathy. And I mean, I've got my book, which is uh, A Life Less Stressed, The Five Pillars of Health and Wellness. I've got my website, which is Dr. Ron Ehrlich. Uh, dot com and that's d r r o n e h r l i c h um, dot com and and we're we're putting we've got a five pillars of health e course coming up soon oh, uh, which is ongoing and yeah and uh, and and there's a lot happening uh, so yeah stay tuned go onto the website follow me on my podcast and my I have a podcast called Unstress as well um, where each week I explore a lot of these topics. Um, and yeah, that's basically where people can find me. And I'll interject. Dr. Ron is a very, very good interviewer. It was a pleasure to be on his show. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, so thank you. I appreciate this early morning rise and, and, uh, and shaking your head and getting the cobwebs out to, to talk to us. Um, I do wish you all the best. We are praying here for Australia. Hopefully by the time this airs, um, things will be in much better shape over there for you. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Kathy. And everybody, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub. have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.